Well, good morning, everyone. If, if you're uh, new here, if this is your first time, uh, we have kind of what we would call family talk that's going to happen right now and um, has to do with the transition plan that uh, we have here at the Church Transition of Leadership. And Lori and I announced in June that a year from this month, October of 2024, we will be stepping off our roles on staff. And at that time, we announced that uh, Wilson and Luke would be co-senior pastors of the church starting in October of 2024. And uh, today, what we want to do is update you, because God has been speaking, and uh, he has been moving, and some exciting stuff is happening. Uh, I want to start uh, by, by sharing Acts 16 with you. Uh, in Acts 16, the Apostle Paul is being sent out on his second missionary journey. He's already traveled uh, you know, through um, the, the regions once planting churches. He's going the second time. He gets his team together, and he tells them, we're going to Asia. We're going to Asia. And everyone's excited and pumped to go to Asia. But what happens is when they get right up to the border of Asia, the Holy Spirit speaks to them and says, uh-uh, no, no, you're not going to Asia. And so they, they, they talk it over, and Paul says, all right, Bithynia, we're going to Bithynia. And they get right up to the border of Bithynia, and uh, the Lord again says, no, this is not the direction you're going. And, and it wasn't until then that the Apostle Paul got a dream at night, and in this dream he saw a man from Macedonia, and that man in Macedonia was saying, come over here and help us. And so Luke, who's writing, uh, who's writing Acts, says the next day, we concluded that God was leading us to Macedonia. And what that means is Paul brought that dream back to his team and said, okay, we know Asia was out, Bithynia is out. I just had a dream last night. I don't want to assume anything. Let's just talk that over. And they concluded together, this is God's leading. We go to Macedonia. And my takeaway from that is this. Sometimes you have to get moving. Sometimes you have to make the best plan you can, listening to God speak. You're, doing, you're, you're headed the direction. You're sure God wants you to go. You're doing what God wants you to do. Let's put it that way in order for God to break in and speak as clearly as you need him to speak. Does that make sense? All right, so that, that's what's been happening. And um, what, um, what I have to announce to you today is that through God speaking and uh, prophetically and other ways and through us processing this, we've concluded and Will has decided that he is not going to become co-senior pastor with Luke. Okay. I'm going to be solo senior pastor. <laughs> so this is where we kick Luke out. Yes, yes, yes. So I didn't know that was coming, but I understand now. So yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot for that intro. Let me... Uh... So this is how politicians do things, isn't it? Yeah. Well, uh, we want you to hear the story because hearing the story of how God has spoken is the key thing. There's nothing more important than that. And so I'm going to just turn this over to uh, Wilson and Jen right now and let them share the story of how God has led through this. 
Thanks. Yeah, so I def I never ever would have thought I would be sitting on stage on October 8th announcing to the church that I was not going to become coaching your pastor and that I was even going to be leaving staff and not being on staff of the church anymore. Never ever ever would I have thought that is where God was going to lead me or take us. I don't think you anticipated it either, but um, kind of read the story of how this all happened, this, uh, this crazy change, how it all happened started in June. And in June, my good friend Shren and I, who's sitting over there, Shren and his wife Maria are missionaries in China. We're having a FaceTime call, just catching up. And um, he was just telling me about the ministry they were doing in their apartment complex and what was going on. And as I was talking on the phone, I was feeling really sad, like in my heart. <laughs> Not because of anything that was happening with Shren, but because of how jealous I felt of what Shren was doing in China. And I could just hear this kind of laser focus him and his wife had on the lost and on those who don't have a relationship with Jesus, those who are outside of the family of God. So I left that phone call just thinking, interesting, this is, um, I, I, actually, I didn't really make a big deal of it, but that's kind of when this little seed got planted in me. But he did tell me, I'm depressed now <laughs> after that call. And uh, it doesn't take much for me to get depressed, honestly, so probably wasn't too surprising for Jen. She's like, yes, moving on. Um, so my, a mentor of mine, so when I first became a follower of Jesus, or when I rededicated my life to Jesus in 2010, it was in the context of at a missions base called Youth with a Mission. It's an international, interdenominational missions organization. It's actually the largest missions organization in the world. It's, and it's all over the world. And in 2010, I was living in Jacksonville, Florida, attending what's called a discipleship training school with YOM. And funny enough, I went there not even following Jesus, but just seeking adventure. Whole another story. I'm sure that's just like, what? You went to a mission school not following Jesus? I don't understand. Yes, that's where I was. And God spoke to me. I, I gave my life to Jesus then. And for the next two and a half years, was on staff with a missions organization, YWAM, traveling throughout the Middle East, Southeast Asia, taking teams around the world. And um, I've stayed in touch with my base director, Mark, Mark Baxter. And so this past May, he invited Jen and I to come down to a training that was being hosted in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and it was a training that Shren and Maria had been through, our other good friends, Josh and Cassidy, who are currently missionaries in Thailand had been through. And I thought, Jen and I should go to that, number one, because it'll be really bonding for our marriage. Like, Jen hasn't had a ton of training in missions like I have, and it's something really important to me. So this would be cool for Jen and I to go get exposure to that and training to that together. And then secondarily, for the last, like, two years, my dad and Luke and I have become convinced that to move in your Northwest into all God wants it to be, we can't just be supernatural disciples of Jesus who know how to prophesy and heal the sick and worship passionately. We have to be supernatural disciples of Jesus who can make other supernatural disciples of Jesus. We have to be a people mm -hmm. who goes outside of this building, starts relationships with our neighbor. Two years later, our neighbor is in this building with us worshiping Jesus. And before that, they were going to hell. Like, if we don't learn how to do that as a church body, what's the point? 
is kind of how Luke and my dad and I have been feeling. Right. And so part of the reason I wanted to go to this training in Jacksonville was for Jen and I to link up more just to, um, it wasn't like there was any disunity in how we thought about ministry, but it was like, oh, this is cool. We'll get to learn about something I'm really passionate about together. And we can do recon for Vineyard Northwest. Like, this is a group of missionaries who are being really effective amongst the lost and uh, really in sustainable ways seeing lots of people come to know Jesus um, just through everyone, everyday believers, not like paid staff Christians or something. So we go to the training, and the first day, a guy named Troy, it was a, like a 25-person training um, in a room about the size of the multi-purpose room, if you know where all the uh, second, third, fourth, and fifth graders are currently, or second, third, and fourth graders are currently right now for their class. Maybe first through fourth grade, I can't remember. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's a, I'm just trying to give you a picture of what the training was like. It wasn't like a big conference. Nowhere near this many people in the room. 30 people about. And the first day of the training, um, it, the, the training's being put on by an organization called No Place Left. No Place Left. It's an international coalition. It's just like a, um, it's a group of people who are all using the same kind of tactics and strategies to reach the lost in cities all over the world. Um, so we're at this training, and the, the idea no place left comes from no place left that hasn't heard the gospel. Like, you know, there's places left in the world that haven't heard the gospel. There's people who will live and die and never once in their entire life hear that there's a man named Jesus who came to earth, died for them, is actually God, and if you put your faith in him, you get eternal life. There's people all over the world who will never hear that. And so this ministry, No Place Left, is like, let's just try and make there be no place left that hasn't heard that message. Pretty sick, right? Like, um, so we're at the training, and the first day, a guy named Troy Cooper is sharing, and the first day of the training was just kind of like, um, well, the first day of the training, Troy shared his story of what him and his family have been doing in Los Angeles for the last seven years. So Troy and his family, he has seven kids, ages like 19 to four. Him and his wife are really cool, followers of Jesus, um, who have been laboring in Los Angeles the last seven years. And they moved to Los Angeles because there's a huge, like 93% of the population of Los Angeles is unchurched. And so it's like a truly a mission field, you know? So they moved there just to uh, try and lead people to the Lord and start churches, but in a kind of unorthodox way. Like their end goal wasn't to build buildings and stuff like that, which there's nothing wrong with that, but that just wasn't their end goal. And after laboring and sharing the gospel and discipling people and really this, the, the spirit of the Lord just moving, seven years later, 55 house churches had been started, about 1,000 people baptized, and 25 young people sent to the nations to be missionaries amongst unreached people groups. Hmm. So Troy is sharing this story, and guess how I was feeling? <laughs> Depressed. <laughs> I was just like, what? I didn't know that could happen in the United States. Like, I thought that you had to move to Iran or Pakistan or somewhere like that, some of the stands, you know, to see something like that happen. And uh, so I left the training just kind of feeling like, man, this is, a, this is so awesome. That, that first day of the training, I left feeling like, this is everything I want to see happen through my ministry. 
Like, this is, if I could just say, what do I want to do? I would just point at that and do that, you know? So I was feeling very conflicted because I knew that the type of ministry and the methodology that Troy was pursuing wasn't what Vineyard Northwest was called to. And even Luke can explain this more, but wasn't exactly the vision that Luke and I had been creating together or the vision that God had put in Luke's heart. And the difference, just really quick aside, isn't at all that I wanna see more people come to know Jesus than Luke does. Neither of us has more, like both of us have equal passion for that. Mm -hmm. But it's just like a vision for how to actually do it. And what Troy was talking about was this innovative, different way of doing church that he saw really be, become really effective amongst the unchurched. So that first day concludes, and I have this idea come in my mind. Oh, by the way, the week before we went to this training, we'd had a meeting <coughs> with the staff and leaders of the church announcing to them the transition plan. And we spent about two hours telling them how excited Luke and I were to become co-senior pastors and just how like, this is what God has said to do. And it wasn't like, Luke and I woke up one morning and we were like, hey, how do we grow Vineyard Northwest to be a church of 10,000 people? Oh, I know, we have two senior pastors. That's what we'll do. Like, you know, what great country doesn't have two presidents? What Super Bowl championship team isn't known for its two MVP quarterbacks, right? Like, no, obviously that's not even human, like human wisdom to have two senior leaders. But Luke and I become convinced it's what God was leading us to. We just become convinced over time, over prayer, and over prophetic words that I could list, um, and, and different reasons how much we complement each other, and how Luke and I really have different strengths and different weaknesses, and we kind of make up for each other in our, our long friendship. And we had come to really believe that the Lord was leading us to become co-senior pastors together. My dad thought so too, and many others. So the first day of this training in Jacksonville concludes, and I had this idea. I was like, well, what if I become co-senior pastor, like we're planning, but 50% of my salary comes from Vineyard Northwest, and 50% of it comes from people who just wanna support me as a missionary, and I just function like as a missionary in Cincinnati, where I'm not, I, I, that's about as far as I got in that plan, actually, okay? I can't even tell you what else I was thinking. But about an hour after I shared that idea with Jen. And Jen, what were you, just really quick, what were you experiencing in the training so far? I was gonna say, just for the sake of understanding the context too of the timing, this was on Monday, a Monday in June. And the Sunday we get, we were gonna get back at Cincinnati on Friday and Sunday is when we were supposed to announce to the sur Sunday morning service that they were gonna be co-senior pastors. So we were coming right up to the border like Van was kind of um, painting the picture of. but. Yeah, it was, I don't know, great training. I don't know. But what was happening? Where did you get excited or you're like, this is whack? Yeah, no, it was, the training for me was resonating a lot. I mean, some of you guys know the history of how, young adult house groups that we've had in this church that kind of exploded organically or just from the Lord. And that was really exciting thing that we had done together. So it reminded me of that. And uh, it was just very inspiring to hear a room full of Christians think about reproducing disciples. It was just like, pulling me into a balance, you know, when you work in ministry, sometimes you get away from that. So that was just really inspiring to be pulled into more of an outreach mindset. Yeah. So I told Jen this idea, which was really meaningful to me, because I was like, if Jen had been like, this is all stupid, I don't like this, then 
we wouldn't be sitting up here right now. <laughs> um, so I tell Jen that idea, 50% staff, 50% support raising missionary. And about an hour later, I get a text from one of my friends, someone who actually goes to this church, his name's Paul. He said, he had no idea what I was doing. He didn't know I was at this training, anything like that. And he just said, hey, you just came to mind, asking God why. And I feel like he's saying yes to what's on your heart about finances and your family vision. Peace to your journey. So I was like, hmm. That's weird timing, you know? But to be totally honest with you, I was like, it's gonna take a lot more than that for me to change my plans. Because for the last five years, Luke and I have been dreaming, talking, and planning with my dad about becoming co-senior pastors together. And we have, like, we got, Luke and I have gotten the same exact prophetic word three times from three different people all standing right there. Three different people have told Luke and I, we're both Paul and we're both Barnabas. And we take turns being Paul and Barnabas. So like, there's just all this confirmation of the trajectory we were on that even though that text, that prophetic word felt very relevant, I was like, okay, this is just interesting, basically. This is like, I'm gonna pay attention now, you know? So then the next day we do the training and it's good. And in the evening, I texted uh, Troy Cooper, the, the main trainer kind of at the, at the event, and another, another guy at the training who ironically, his name is Tyler Brown. <laughs> Not our Tyler Brown, but who's a guy who's becoming a good friend to Jen and I. Him and his wife live in Charleston, South Carolina. And they're currently missionaries in Charleston, South Carolina, attempting to do what Troy did in LA in Charleston. Um, I said, hey guys, can we get lunch? I just wanna process kind of what the Lord's speaking to Jen and I and our, our plan moving forward, going back home, da, da, da. And at this point, my most extreme thinking is that 50%, 50% idea. So we go to lunch with them. It's really delightful. They're just two really godly men. Troy is such, such a just kind, godly man. Um, and we're talking to them and they're just asking us what our vision for the future is and what we're gonna do next. And we're kind of updating them on how we serve at this really unique, amazing church in Cincinnati, Ohio, where like everyone really gets to do ministry. Like everyone in the church is released to do ministry. It's not like some hierarchy thing where you have to be special in order to preach or do communion or baptize somebody. Like we're like, we're in this awesome church. We're just kind of bragging on this church to them. Um, and he said, well, what are you thinking you're gonna do next? And I said, well, I have this crazy idea. Tell me what you think of it. What if I was 50, like we're gonna, I'm gonna become a senior pastor next October, my best friend, Luke. What if I became 50% senior pastor and 50% of my job description was missionary? 50% senior pastor, 50% missionary, 50% salary, 50% support raising. And uh, I can really pursue this no place left vision in Cincinnati. Um, and Troy was like, interesting, that's cool. What do you think, Jen? And what'd you say? She doesn't remember. <laughs> the words that changed my life. <laughs> Jen said, sounds good. No. <laughs> Jen just said something like, if I remember correctly, just like, yeah, that sounds good. You know, like, um, this is clearly Wilson. Like, everything that we've been learning this week is Wilson. That's like all he ever talks about. That's, that's just how he's wired. This is him, you know? Oh yeah, like being married to Wilson, if you drive through like 
a rundown part of town. He looks at he looks over at me and's like, "Wouldn't it be awesome to church plant here?" I'm like, mm. <laughs> but this is his heart. I mean, he loves this stuff and the lost and hurting people. So yeah. And so, um, so Jen said, like, yeah, that. I think Troy was really checking to make sure that I wasn't like dragging my wife into something. He was really, he's a good dude, you know, and he, he understands how to honor, how to be honoring in a marriage. And so he was kind of checking in with Jen, where are you at? And when Jen was like, I'm positive about this, Troy turned to me and he was like, what if you just went 100% support raising missionary? He's like, what if you just went 100% with a no place left vision in Cincinnati? And I was like, well, you just don't understand, okay? Like, it's very cute of you to want to encourage me to do that. And I get it. You're trying to be bold and challenge the status quo. But, like, I am supposed to become senior pastor at my parents' church. Like, this is a no-doubter for me, you know? And I, I said something like that back. And he just looked me dead in the eyes and he said, Wilson, you're a missionary. He's like, you're a missionary. I've seen you all week, how you've been responding to these teachings, your nonverbals and the questions you're asking. He's like, you're a missionary, bro. Yeah. And when he said that, <coughs> it's hard to describe because it just sounds like such a cliche, dramatic moment, but I can really tell you that it is like one of the most dramatic moments in my life. It felt like someone was speaking inside of my spirit, like, and it was like, this thing that I had thought <clears throat> wasn't the plan or wasn't even allowed to be the plan, God was saying, that's the plan. Mm. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Because you know, when I was in YWAM, spending two and a half years on staff there from 2010 to 2012, my plan was never to come back on staff, to be on staff at a church in the United States. I would have laughed if someone had told me I was gonna do that. My plan was to move to the Middle East as a missionary. I came back to, to Cincinnati to go to UC to get a degree in international affairs and to learn Arabic so I could move to the Middle East as a missionary. And even when Luke and I were leading the house group movement that happened, the whole time we were talking about it in terms of when Wilson was gonna leave and when Luke was gonna be leading it alone. And then through a series of events, God really called me to invest in my parents' legacy and to serve my parents. And I just felt so clearly and so confirmed prophetic words and just prayer and counsel and the Bible and everything that I was supposed to serve this body, serve Vineyard Northwest and run alongside my parents and run alongside the Hazelmeyers. Um, so when, I'm just saying that all to say that like, I kind of had am amnesia, okay? Like I was so committed to the assignment God had in front of me of leading Vineyard Northwest that I basically turned off the possibility of anything but what was right in front of me. So when he said, you're a missionary, you're a missionary, it just felt like something came alive inside of me that I thought was gone, but it wasn't actually gone. Just gonna share something? Yeah. Which we kind of, we see it a little bit differently, but how I see that whole yeah. interaction happening is She like, sees it better. <laughs> it reminds me of like Abraham being asked to sacrifice his son. And then like Will feeling like God's asking him through, like when we, before we got married, God asking him to lay down missions and put on a different pair of shoes and to humbly, faithfully serve 
his dad and this body. And so it was like, okay, we're gonna let missions and the exciting stuff die. Um, and then God releasing him back to it when he, after he has been faithful for so long. So that's kind of what I see kind of happening. It's good. It's good. As the dagger was raised, <laughs> it's coming down. Um, <clears throat> so we, we're kind of like, we spend the next two hours with Troy and Tyler just dreaming and talking about what the future could look like. And um, we come home the next day and the following day, so we, that's a Friday, we come home Friday night, we're home all day Saturday. The next day, we're supposed to announce to the church the plan, the transition plan. And at this point, we remembered another prophetic word we had gotten. So Saturday morning, I'm just feeling like sick to my stomach. I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to get up in front of the church tomorrow and say, Luke and I are becoming co-senior pastors. This is gonna be amazing. You guys can trust me that I'm being honest right now. Like, this is awesome, let's do this, you know? And I just, I was just feeling like, oh, I, I felt sick to my stomach to, to imagine myself getting up here and saying all that the next day. Because I was just going through, my head was spinning. I didn't know what was gonna happen, but I really was feeling like that wasn't what was supposed to happen anymore. So Jen's like, hey, what about Regina's word to you? So rewind back to April of this year, a friend of ours, Regina Harrington, Clay Harrington, if you know him, his wife, his better half, um, she called me up and said, hey, I have a prophetic word for you. Clay and I prayed about this. It's really heavy, but we just wanted to share it with you. I was like, okay. And she said, I was driving home from the Overflow Women's Conference, and I felt like, and I, I was just thinking about your church, how much I love Vineyard Northwest, how much I love the women's ministry, and I had this, uh, I, I started to think about the future of the church, and I started to think about how you're gonna take it over and how you're gonna take over the church. And for some reason, she wasn't referencing Luke at all in it, but... That's always been the plan that Luke and I would do it together. And um, she says, and then I just felt this like weight come into my car. And I felt like this anxiety and this pressure come on me. And I almost started to weep. And I felt like God just said to me, tell Wilson it's okay to say no. And saying no to this is saying yes to something else. And so she gave me that word back in April. And I was, when she said it, I was just like, cool, thanks for sharing that, you know? She's like, what do you think? What does it mean to you? And I was like, pretty much nothing. Like, <laughs> I am stoked to become senior pastor. Like, I feel zero anxiety. Like, there's a little bit of a pay bump coming, you know? And like a little bit more freedom in my, uh, my job description. Like, I'm stoked to become co-senior pastor with my best friend. And this is gonna be awesome. So then fast forward to this conversation with Troy and Jen and I being back in Cincinnati Saturday morning. And I re-listened to that prophetic word and our jaws are just like on the floor. We're just like, what? Like, God has been speaking this even when we weren't ready for it. And the best thing I can describe is that that prophetic word was so accurate that it didn't even make sense until when I needed to hear it. Mm -hmm. Like that prophetic word was so accurate, it didn't even make sense until the future. Because she talked about feeling this anxiety. Mm -hmm. I felt that literal anxiety that Saturday morning. So. Mm -hmm. I'm probably talking too long here, but basically, to kind of speed things up, I text my parents and Luke and Jamie. Jen and I text, I'm like, hey, we're having second thoughts about becoming, about Will becoming a co-senior pastor. I usually speak in the third person in texts. It's like, <laughs> there's this guy named, no. I said, I'm having second thoughts about becoming a co-senior pastor. Can we get together and talk about that? So like, yes. 
So they all fly over to our house and we spend the next couple hours just processing. And um, where we kind of landed was like, this is too early in the process to totally change the plans. Like, we're not gonna change the whole plan just based off of definitely God speaking, but just off of a short amount of being able to test what we think God is speaking. There's a difference between God speaking and testing what God is speaking, you know? And if you're gonna blow your life up and make big changes, which I'm not blowing my life up, but if you're gonna make huge changes, like you should probably test what God is speaking. So we decided to enter into a phase of just kind of testing and praying through this new vision God was putting on our heart. And um, spent all of July just praying, seeking counsel from other advisors and mentors. I mean, I talked to Tori about it. I talked to Kendra about it. I, I talked to lots of different people in this church and outside of this church and just got prayer and, and counsel and really just only became solidified in what I felt like God was speaking to me to leave staff and to begin to go after unreached people groups in Cincinnati and the lost in Cincinnati with just like a laser focus. So before I hand it over to whoever wants to speak, um, you know, studies have been done and 50 to 60% of unchurched people will never, in, their, in the United States, will never in their life step foot in a church. 50 to 60% will never step foot in a church in their entire life. And so part of the deal is we need to get super mobilized to go after them because they ain't coming to us, okay? The hope for Cincinnati Knowing Jesus is not this service or crossroads services. Like, God bless them, you know, but like that is not how as many people are gonna come into the kingdom as Jesus wills. We have to be very focused outside of here. Mm -hmm. And so what Jen and I are feeling is like the Lord is releasing us and leading us to make that our exclusive focus mm -hmm. is the lost in Cincinnati, the marginalized in Cincinnati, and the unreached people groups from around the world in Cincinnati. The nations are in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Like, there's people from all over the world who don't know the gospel living on our back doorstep right now. And so Jen and I, um, along with the Woos and, and the Goins who are actually concluding their time in Thailand and moving back to Cincinnati, are just gonna team up and, and go after that together. We'll still totally, yeah. We will still totally be part of this church. You'll still see us. Luke still wants me to preach. So I'll still be around here and everything, and we'll, we'll be here. You know, this is our church. This is our church home. This is our church family. Mm -hmm. But we feel like God's releasing us to go with laser focus after the lost and marginalized in Cincinnati. So awesome, awesome. Thank you, Will. Yeah. Something that I wanted, we wanted to make sure to share with you guys, because it's just a really cool confirmation, was during that testing period um, of what we thought God was speaking. Like Will said, he laid this plan out before so many mentors and so many trusted voices, including um, Putty Putman, you guys know Putty, um, and Robbie Dawkins, which have both been huge mentors to Wilson, and they just know him so well, and they know our body so well, and Luke and Van as well. And um, how Putty responded, <laughs> he was said, 
you were scaring me. He was literally relieved to hear that Wilson wasn't gonna become senior pastor. He said, you were getting so close to becoming senior pastor, but I just felt like it wasn't my place to say anything, but I was getting nervous, bro. So that was a big confirmation. Um, and then Robbie also similarly just said like, yeah, I never thought you should be senior pastor. I never thought you should become senior pastor, but I just didn't also feel like it was my place to say anything. So both of those guys, um, along with many others, confirming it was meant a lot to us. Yeah, that's awesome. And most of, and most of all for me, my parents affirmed it mm -hmm. and Luke affirmed it. Mm -hmm. Luke and Jamie right away were just like, yeah, this makes sense. We were surprised by the timing, but this makes sense. Yeah. My parents, we took that kind of month of praying and processing, and by the end of July, like, I, I couldn't imagine doing this without my parents saying, we think you should do it. I was willing to, because, like, Jesus is Lord, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. But it was going to be really hard, and I was going to slow the process down a lot if they had said, we don't think you should do this. Yeah. And I, I want to say this. Several years ago, when they were rising in the staff and becoming, you know, coming into the senior leadership, I thought someday Luke will be the senior pastor of the church, Wilson will be in the Middle East, Luke will use the monies from this church to help support Wilson in the Middle East. I thought that. And then when we came to the point of saying, well, no, they're going to be co-senior pastors, I thought, okay, that'll last for two, maybe three years and then Wilson's going to peel away from this. He's going to go plant a church somewhere because it's just so obvious that, uh, you know, what, what, um, what Robbie said, what uh, Putty said is so true of how Wilson's made up and what his gifting is. Yeah, yeah I just, my story is really on the um, shoulders of past generations when I, came to know the Lord 50 years ago. God, God called me to the mission field uh, when I heard um, that there were tribes that never knew the name of Jesus in their heart language. And I was on my way to Bolivia to work in a clinic uh, with Wycliffe. And it turned out that the country asked them to leave but I just feel like God, I know, God put that spark in my heart. And now he's set a flame in Wilson. And I'm so thankful. Mm -hmm. And I, I love him so much. And I'm so proud of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I want to share just kind of what my initial reaction was and how I've processed things. But I want to have Jamie share first because, um, because as we first heard this news, she said something really profound that kind of like framed everything for me from that moment on about what happened. So go for it. You all know me pretty well, so I'm going to try this without tears, but we'll see how it goes. Tears are okay. We were on the way to Will and Jen's house to talk about it all, and of course, as you can imagine, our like thoughts are just like swirling, like what is happening? And um, man, I just had this moment. I feel like I was like experiencing the Lord. I was like, can you imagine like Wilson even 
considering not being senior pastor of Vineyard Northwest, even considering being a missionary and just giving up everything that he's like, you know, like taking over his parents' church. Like that's a dream that people have, you know. They planted this church. It's been here from, they've been here from the beginning and to pass it on to another, you know, there are just so many things, you know, the stability of a, a, an income that he can count on for his family. There are just so many things. I just had this moment. I was like, the fact that he would be willing to risk it all and to um, lay it down. It's just, um, I told Luke, I was like, that is the disciple of Jesus right there. You know, like that is the disciple of Jesus who would be willing to lay everything down and like throw this huge plan out the window to pastor with his best friend and to lead this congregation that he's come to love together. So, yeah, I, I, and I shared that with Wilson when we, we were, like, debriefing. I was a lot sobbier than I am now. but And that's true, you know. I think both Will and Jen, you know, that is um, a huge thing for you guys. And, I mean, I'm going to be sad, but I love you guys. <laughs> yeah, so good. Um. The number one thing people have asked me is, Luke, how are you processing this? Like, are, does this make you feel nervous? Does this make, what kind of emotions do you feel from this? And, and the nervousness really is more so like the first wave of nerves that I felt was, is this going to change the dynamics between Wilson and I as friends at all? You know, just because like, even though uh, our friendship uh, predated our ministry together by like 10 years. We've been doing this for the last 10 years together, you know, like literally 10 years we've been doing ministry. Um, But as we talked about it and as the plan kind of unfolded, we just like, I, not only do I think that it's not going to impact our friendship, but I think it's actually going to be a new place of, of connection for him and I, uh, because you know, rather than like two co-leaders who are meeting up and both excited about kingdom things, but different kingdom things, and trying to get the other one to be excited about it, and you know, the look at the the feeling of disappointment when you can see in their face that they're like, that you know, they're they're tolerating your idea, but they're not super excited about your idea. Um, like rather than that dynamic, getting to just be like colleagues in ministry. And to go out and do everything God has called us to do and then to come back together and kind of report in, celebrate victories together, encourage each other. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that kind of leg of our friendship. Um, and then last thing I want to say is that I want to reiterate what Wilson said that like we share the same ultimate vision. We want to see lost people in this city come to know Jesus and his kingdom come in a way like Cincinnati's never seen before. And uh, as I look back into my, again, my 10 years in ministry, there was a season when I was doing young adult ministry where so many of us got fired up for the lost all at the same time and started going out and doing power evangelism in the streets and praying for people to be healed and casting out demons and sharing prophetic words to strangers, that so many of us started doing that, that for a good four-month time period, there were... 12 to 15 people per week accepting Christ out in the streets. And it was crazy season. And so, you know, probably a total of over 100 people in that three-month time period that were complete, did not have a relationship with God, ended up accepting Christ due to some kind of a power encounter or something that happened. And then that kind of faded off. And I always asked the Lord, like, Lord, 
why was that just like a brief time period? You know, what, what happened? What happened to, why didn't that just continue? And there's a ton of different ways you can analyze that. Some of it had to do probably with us. But one thing I feel like the Lord really spoke to me is that I was giving you, Luke, a foretaste of what's to come in your ministry. And that there is gonna be a time when that kind of a thing happens again, but it's not going to end. And this, this reveals like a really, this, this reveals like, again, Will and I, same vision, we wanna take different paths to get there. Like during that season, I was probably leading zero to one people per month to Christ myself. <laughs> you know, like there were other people who were, who were leading way more to Christ that I had trained to do that that I had encouraged to do that and empowered to do that. And that is what makes me come alive. Like being around a believer and being able to speak life over them, equip them, empower them, and release them into their destiny. Like that gives me so, so, so much life. And Wilson is really good at that and loves that too. But for Wilson, it's not just about getting other people to do it. It's about getting out there himself, getting his hands dirty and being in the harvest. And so... Really, I think that kind of difference in calling, which that's, that's what that is, that's a difference in calling. That difference in calling really is what I think has carved out these two different lanes that we feel called mm-hmm. to go in. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited for what's gonna happen in Cincinnati and the kingdom in both of those two ways. Yeah, that's, good. that's right, it's awesome. I wanna invite uh, Jim Hunter, Micah Turnbow to come to the front. They're gonna pray and um, in case you don't know, Micah is our prophetic pastor here on staff at the church. And you may not know this, but Jim Hunter is one of the spiritual fathers of the church who has been here since the very beginning, very, very beginning of the church's life. And so we just value both of you. Yeah. If, if either one of you uh, have something you'd like to say before you pray, that's okay. Yeah, I just, what I'm when I feel like I'm seeing here is Paul talks in 2 Corinthians about all of us, as we behold God, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. Mm. And I feel like what we're seeing, each of these individuals was looking at God, listening to God, mm-hmm. beholding him, mm-hmm. and being transformed by that mm-hmm. and into something even more amazing. And I feel like for the church... This is a moment of our church being transformed from one degree of glory to another. I believe it would have been glorious for the both of you guys to be co-senior pastors, but it's going to be even more glorious now because of your listening to him and being transformed by him. That's right. That's right. It's good. Amen. Um, Wilson called me and, and talked to me about it and asked me what I, about, the, about all this that's going on. And I was reminded about when we had first started meeting about how one of the things I saw around him was an angel of the Lord assigned him for missions Mm. that had a trumpet, but I hadn't seen him for years, you know? And so later on during this year, I noticed the angel with him again. And it was like reminding me that Wilson is called to go. And, but I kept it to myself because I knew everybody was expecting him to be senior pastor. But I was just like, I don't want to do anything. I, you know, I'll just wait. And so he finally called. And of course, knowing me, I flipped open my journal because I was just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, and we talked and, I, and I, we talked about that, that angel. So I want to say, great job. <laughs> no, seriously, that's a good job. 
Because um, that, you know, you, you gave up, you gave up something um, so you can get something better and, and what you're actually called to do. See, the fun thing is, is that, you know, you have the ability to affect more than what you know. And nothing was wasted. Even in this moment of you doing maybe not exactly what you were called to do, you gained fruit so that way in the next 50 years you'll be sustained and you'll be golden. So treasure these moments of those hard meetings you went to, of those hard conversations you had, because inside of you was, is, is treasure, is, is fruit that will last you a long time when he sends you out. Okay. Nothing was wasted. You wasted no time. Okay. You're right on time. Good. Okay. Good. Good. Both you and Jen. Good. You're right on time. So I'm going to pray, and then Jim's going to pray. So Lord, we just thank you. Is it okay for me to pray? I just started. Please pray, yeah. Pray. <laughs> So we just thank you, uh, Lord, for, for uh, what, you're doing, what you're doing in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we are excited. Mm -hmm. God, you're excited and we're excited. We ain't sad. We're excited because something great is happening in Jesus' name. And we bless and, uh, the, the anointing on both of their lives. And, Lord, we are going to treasure Every moment that uh, right now and every moment of watching them being sent forth, God, and what they're going to do in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. God, I just pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit for this whole group and for the leadership of this church. And um, we see that uh, you speak and we want more. You move and we want more. We want the fullness of your spirit. And that's what you're pouring out here. So we just release the fullness of your spirit. We release the fullness of your spirit into this team. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, yeah. Are you gonna share the practicalities of the plan? Just like a quick one. I'm gonna share. Yeah. Just so you, just so you all know too, we're continuing on the same timeline. So next October is when I'll leave staff and um, I'm not going anywhere tomorrow or anything yeah, like that. Good. So Luke will become senior pastor and I will be launched as a missionary at the same time next year. Yep, good, good. All right. <laughs>